Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Vegan Food and Living's Simply Vegan podcast with me, Holly Johnson, and my co-host, Molly Pickering. Each week, we discuss the latest vegan news, taste test the newest vegan products, and speak to some of the leading names in veganism about everything from nutrition, immunity, and weight loss to recipe ideas and alternative proteins. We also answer your questions each week, so don't forget to email us at simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. Um, so first bit of exciting news is that Molly and I met in the real life for the first time in last week. In real life. We exist. Holly exists. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun, wasn't it? So it was basically um, Anthems, which is the company that uh, runs the Simply Vegan podcast and Vegan Food Living and loads of other amazing magazines. So it's our 19th anniversary, um, no, birthday. Birthday, since the launch. Yes. And so we went to the bird in Bath, didn't we? Which um... Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. I've never, I forget how amazing Bath is. And this hotel, it was just incredible. Yeah, it was fancy. It's so cool. There's like, they've got like um, little pods in the garden made from yeah. glass, haven't they? And loads of gorgeous. really nice cocktails. What cocktails did you have? Um, oh my gosh. I had, oh, what was it called? I was like, I got really confused because it had beetroot in it, but it was white peach fizz, fuzz. Maybe not white peach fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it was fizz, yeah. It was probably the fizz. That's me having too many of them. Um <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was so nice. We have some beetroot and then it was your fault because you got me on the wine then in the end. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something you need to learn about going out with me. It's never ends well. Um, but it was, it, no, it, we were pretty well behaved, weren't we? The yeah. only annoying thing was that I had to run for the last train. So we just sat down to get some food because we hadn't eaten and we'd had quite a lot of wine and beetroot cocktails and everything else um you know very healthy um very healthy whole food yeah so we sat down to eat at was it called the coconut tree coconut tree yeah amazing Sri Lankan tapas style restaurant it's beautiful oh, I was so gutted I literally ordered my drink and then you were like what time's your train <laughs> I was like uh it's nine ten o'clock. minutes <laughs> in ten minutes time and I had to leave literally running oh. down the street to the train station in Bath to get on the train for like two hours to Dorchester with no dinner so mm. yeah I was really sad and um ended up talking to half the people on the train and accosting a man who had some bananas um and literally that's all I had for dinner <laughs> I 
I think basically what we're going to have to do is you're going to have to come to Bristol and stay in a hotel or whatever. You can even stay at my house and we will just have to go out and taste all of the lovely cocktails and all of the lovely food. I think that's what we're going to have to do. Yeah, like a restaurant crawl. Okay. Yeah. Book me in, Molly. Book me in. You're booked. (laughs) So, okay. How is the whole food plant-based challenge going? This is something we're running for the next 30 days. Uh, Molly and I Mm -hmm. are taking part in. We're getting help from like nutritionists and dietitians and all the experts um, as we go through the 30 days. So yeah, how do you get on apart from our little night of a um, little bit too much alcohol? A little blip. I feel like I have been, can we say 80% whole food, 80% whole food plant-based. That's what I've been. Yeah, I've had a few slip-ups. Basically, I've been changing my bedroom over, so boring, changing it over, doing like a bit of a revamp. It's not boring, actually, it's really exciting. And I was doing, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I spent six hours doing that on Saturday and then Whoa. I just, yeah, it was a lot. It was dirty. Um, so I just had like a quick, um, I had a pizza. There we go. I had a pizza. We'll you said it. it. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> Where was the pizza from? Oh, the jam. Well, my major slip up was pizza as well, because on the way back on the train yeah. I, and, you know, I had the banana and it was just not you know not um filling the hole so so I ordered a Domino's to arrive when I got off the train and my husband picked me up in the car and I literally just started scoffing <laughs> oh, you've got to do it we're human at the end of the day I was and just then so hungry. straight back on it exactly you know it's fine everything yeah. is all about balance and that's what we're about we're not robots no what were the good things then that you found about it? About the whole um about eating the whole food over the last week. Energy, honestly, just so much energy, so much alertness. I when I ate that pizza on Saturday, I felt it so much on Sunday. And it really? sounds quite preachy. Yeah, it's so strange. I think the days before I had been really alert, like I'd been waking up, I'd been doing like uh training sessions in the morning. Like felt so on it, and then come Sunday, I don't know whether it was a mixture of just being tired or whatever, but I noticed it. Wow! And again, it's just I get such a buzz from cooking and like creating meals and stuff, and you don't have that with quick, easy food. As delicious as it is, and as convenient as it is, it's important to you know get inspired and get in the kitchen yeah yeah I've um just having it at the back of my mind has really helped me actually because usually when I you know I'm I'm pretty healthy most of the time mm-hmm. um but it's just kind of like sometimes after so I'll have like a big salad for lunch and I'm not just talking lettuce leaves I'm talking like everything in there you know yeah. um bulgur wheat or sweet potato or whatever I've got sort of left over in the fridge mm. um and afterwards, I just sort of think, oh, I kind of fancy a cup of coffee and like maybe just a bit of chocolate. And then yeah. I have a little bit of chocolate. And then I'm like, mm, just a little bit more. So it kind of stopped me doing that because I'm I, mm. I sort of thought, well, OK, so I, I can't have the chocolate. What can I have instead? So I was having maybe like a date with some peanut butter, which was really good. Mm. Really nice medjool dates, like, you know, not the sort of really some of them are just a bit dry sticky and ones yeah they're not very nice I've been having banana and peanut butter for breakfast and that's been delicious it's been so nice I've even Lovely. got my boyfriend on it he loves it yeah I've been cooking some amazing things actually from my favorite cookbook which is Rebel Recipes by Nikki Webster um I interviewed her in season one actually episode three oh. the third episode I've ever <laughs> done so have a listen but I apologize for the sound quality and the fact I didn't know what I was doing um but she's <laughs> you've grown yeah <laughs> thank god <laughs> she's so lovely she's so down to earth but just the most amazing uh recipe creator and food photographer mm-hmm. if you follow her on Instagram you'll know um her style is just beautiful so I made her spinach crepes and um basil pesto mm-hmm. and uh what was the other thing oh um caponata what's that it's like um I, I'd compare it to maybe like ratatouille. It's kind of like chopped up mm, okay. roasted aubergine with like cherry tomatoes, olives, 
onion, garlic, and toasted pine nuts on top. So that Oh was, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, it was so nice. I wanted to post it on Instagram, but it just looked really ugly. So <laughs> Oh, this is the thing. I did that reel. So our like the sh- bed showcase thing that we did. Um can I just say by the way, I hate cooked peppers with a passion. I don't know what it is. I think I just love raw peppers so much. It's crunch, they're so fresh. And whenever I eat them, I've always had crap stuffed peppers. And <laughs> yeah. It's I, just I know what you mean. I feel like the us picking peppers for the first week was um not the best because I No, it wasn't. Your reel is great, though. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't do much of a reel, a recipe reel, if you were just eating raw peppers, would you? And your recipe, <laughs> I could really do. Good. I, I can just do a reel of me eating a whole pepper. If that's what the people want, I'm happy to <laughs> give it that. to them. Well, if you want to see Molly's reel, head over to um, a Simply Vegan podcast on Instagram. Um, I'm going to do mine this week because I attempted it and every time I just got interrupted by children and dogs and everything else going on in life. Um, I did do a pepper-based recipe though. It was from my Leon Fast Vegan Cookbook, which I absolutely love as well. Um, I I lent it to my friend and she went out and bought it straight away afterwards. And the same with the rest. Same with the Rebel Recipes Cookbook, actually. Whatever I lent her, she's like, I love this so much. She she wasn't... (laughs) She wasn't vegan and she's still not fully vegan, but she's um over the she's sort of, Yeah, over the last year, it's been amazing. And it's lovely because we sort of inspire each other with recipes. So Gosh. um yeah, I cooked this roasted red pepper um pasta dish, and it was mm. just kind of like roasting off the peppers and uh frying up some onion and garlic and um and then kind of blitzing it up in the blender. Yeah. Um, so that the children don't know that the peppers are in there because my son doesn't like cooked peppers either. It obviously must be a thing. (laughs) It is a thing, isn't it? I think that's kind of like similar to what the stew that I did, the red pepper stew, is just blitz it up, put as much roasted garlic and everything else in there as possibly can. (laughs) Just hide the flavour. Oh, love garlic. I I also made some um, beetroot hummus this weekend and I had that with some leftover spinach crepes for breakfast on the beach on Saturday, uh, Sunday morning we went for a swim you are just the ultimate goal I love it <laughs> <laughs> everyone loved it and then they went home and made the beach your hummus this is why I sort of feel the pressure whenever I go anywhere I'm like oh, gotta make something really tasty and amazing so that other people are inspired and then want to go vegan too so <laughs> I was listening to your interview that you did last week and it was like, what dips are you going to bring this week, Polly? Whenever you have like family doughs and I just want you to bring me all of the dips. (laughs) I just love a dip. They have so many uses, don't they? So like I said, um, we've got some nutritionists supporting us on our 30 day challenge. And this week I spoke to Dr. Leila Deccan about um, a couple of issues that we've had or things that we wanted to know. So my question to her was that my nails are quite brittle and they keep breaking off. Now, I did have those gel nails done in the summer. I, I got led down the, the, you know, the path by a friend who was like, oh, they're so amazing. And then I had mine done. And mine just <laughs> keep breaking off as they're growing back. So I don't know if it's because mm. of that. I, I like to think that's why. However. I'd, I would say my nails are a bit flaky and weak. So this is what she had to say. The brittle nails are actually very common, uh, especially among women. I think a one in five in general actually complain of brittle nails. And like, you know, any other symptom in medicine, just saying that you have a, like um, soft and weak nails, it is just a symptom of something else. Uh, and it can be, you know, an autoimmune disease. It can be an inflammation like psoriasis, uh, which is quite actually common. But it can also just be due to poor diet, uh, you know, some micronutrient missing actually in your diet. So I'm going to actually focus on that now. And the most common nutrient deficiency that actually can cause brittle nails is iron deficiency. Then obviously calcium or even protein deficiency can cause that but we know protein deficiency is extremely rare I mean let's say I have never seen any in my years as a doctor or as a nutritionist and even low calcium levels are not common 
And another nutrient that can actually cause brittle nails is actually having a chronic high selenium levels. But that is more a problem for meat eaters and also for those vegans who consume a lot of Brazil nuts. I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't, uh, you know, eat Brazil nuts because they are actually a good source of um, selenium, but one or two a day is enough. We don't need to overdo it. Now, obviously, if somebody uh, says, you know, they have brittle nails, what I usually uh, tell them is to go and see their doctor, see their GP and get a blood test. We need to see, you know, what is lacking. Is there any kind of obvious reason? Because when I say, you know, iron deficiency, which is quite common among women, again, uh, if it is quite severe and it shows on a blood test, then they would need supplement. If it is not, and, you know, the blood test comes back normal and there isn't any other reason, you know, any other medical uh, reason for their brittle nails, then I usually go with iron deficiency. And my recommendation is just a cup of uh, lentils a day, for example. It's really good if uh, just one cup of green lentils contains like about six milligrams of iron, but it also contains like B vitamins, fiber and uh, protein again. And in general, beans are actually a good source of iron. And then uh, other things we can do to increase iron deficiencies like um, sorry iron absorption is to add a source of vitamin c so like adding tomato bell pepper or lemon to our bowl of uh, beans for example that would increase iron absorption and we need to kind of watch out for those things which would reduce iron absorption and in this case usually it is tea and coffee so my recommendation is not having tea and coffee an hour before and an hour after uh, the meals. And uh, it's also worth mentioning that even herbal teas, they contain a co- compound called tannins and they can reduce uh, iron absorption. And the same with green tea. Green tea also contains, you know, tannin. So that is what I usually you know, recommend. I've actually been, got, like I said, I've got into this bad habit of drinking coffee after like my lunch. I never used to drink coffee. Okay. I think it's just working from home and you get into these weird habits. Slippery you, slope. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, it's not that bad, is it? It could be worse. You know, it's only a cup of coffee. But actually, you know, it's stopping the iron being absorbed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to cut out the coffee now um, and uh, definitely eat more lentils. So your question was about what to eat after your workouts, because you've got a personal trainer now, haven't you? I have got a personal trainer now. I go Get you! Fancy! Who am I? Honest to God, who am I? Going up in the world. I go to, like, I go to the personal trainer. (laughs) You can tell I'm new to all this. I go to my personal trainer at half past seven in the morning. Whoa, that's dedication don't know what it is it's great I feel alive it's amazing but I always struggle I feel like it's because I go it's quite a, like a quick rush so quick rush a bit of a mad rush so I back I have an hour training session back at half past eight and then I've got to be at work for nine well be on the computer at nine so I always kind of like forget to eat or don't eat the right things sort of like after um training so I just wanted to know what she recommends yeah okay well here's what she had to say about your post-workout snacks yes when it comes to post-workout snack the main reason we actually talk about it is because we want to replace the lost fluids electrolytes and energy and again it depends on the length and intensity of the workout and also when uh, you know when you're going to exercise again and uh for most people who are just, you know, a hobby exerciser and they just do an hour, uh, you know, in the gym, then what they need to do is just consume a good source of carbohydrates within an hour post-workout. And because, you know, remember, carbohydrates are the only macronutrients that will actually help us restore our glycogen stores. Protein is important, but it comes secondary. And, uh, and I also want to mention that, you know, if you haven't consumed enough carbohydrates, and you have eaten more protein, that protein is actually going to be used as energy, as fuel, and not for the muscle protein synthesis. So it's really important to actually make sure that you have a source of carbohydrate. And the ratio is usually three to one or four to one. And I wouldn't really complicate things. Just something as simple as a banana with one tablespoon peanut butter is enough, or a bagel with uh, hummus. Or just even, as, to be honest, a bagel, a plain bagel without anything would be good because bagel has like, um, you know, carbohydrate and protein. Or chickpeas, 
and um, you know baked potato and some beans depending on you know how intense your workout uh, was and how much you want to eat you can have something as simple as a handful of nuts and seeds with dried fruits or as i said the baked potato and some beans you know make it a bigger meal so really keep it simple amazing that sounds so great i think for i've always been like really hesitant of carbs i think especially with this sort of like whole food still learning still not sure whether carbs are a good thing or a bad thing so it's great to know that you know that's a nice little pre-workout post-workout treat yeah this is it carbs really aren't the enemy are they especially no. like whole meal whole grain so anyway let's crack on with the news um so earth earthling ed i don't know if our listeners have heard of him a lot of people have some people haven't earthling ed or ed winters um he's kind of a youtuber he's now an author because he's launched just launched a new book um and he's a kind of activist he runs surge and he's opened his own sanctuary so yeah he's launched his first book um do you want to tell us a bit about it Yes, I will. Um, so, yeah, he's announced it, I think it was over the weekend, actually, and it's due uh, to come out in January, just in time for Veganuary, and it's called um, This is Vegan Propaganda and Other Lies the Meat Industry Tells You, which I think is an amazing title. Yeah, he <laughs> Bit is. Bit of a mouthful. But... It is, yeah. <laughs> he's so brilliant. If you haven't discovered him already, then definitely check out his YouTube channel. I mean, he's, he's done TED Talks. He's He's just, he's so good with the sort of meat eaters and the vegan haters, isn't he? I think what's great about it is that he's done his research and it's very thorough. And he, this book essentially is six years, maybe even more than six years, but six years of research, conversations um, with farmers, with farmers, like people that work in the meat industry with vegans, like just a complete amalgamation of everything to do with the movement and like causes for the movement and stuff. And he's just created this book that's so empowering for veganism and also quite like inspiring for non-vegans as well. And I think that's the most important part of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading it. I went to his um, Unity Diner as well, which I talked about a couple of episodes ago. That was really, yeah, really good. Loads of new launches, which we're excited to try. Uh, One is Greedy Vegan, which is a new plant-based protein subscription box, which currently delivers to Southwest London. Sadly, we're not there, but it is expanding Mm. to the rest of London and hopefully the rest of the country, which is exciting. Um, it's it aims to be like a one-stop shop for vegan protein so um yes yeah, so a whole range of meat alternatives so go and check out greedy vegan if you get a moment um we actually reviewed a subscription box didn't we a recipe box this yeah time. I love this yeah this is a whole new for me like I have never had subscription subscription boxes before um I loved it it was so good yeah so it's it's called uh grubby grubby boxes yeah. um mm. they donate to one more child charity for food poverty um with, with each order and it's it works out about six pound fifty per meal it's all kind of in sustainable packaging and <laughs> what two recipes did you get so I had it was uh aubergine and apricot tagine yeah potential and then it was um a cauliflower uh like an asian style cauliflower um avocado and stuff it wasn't what i normally eat so i was a bit sort of out of my comfort zone trying new things and stuff but it was delicious and all one thing that i do find with a lot of subscription services and um like home deliveries and stuff with food there's so much waste and there's so much plastic and everything else but this I was really impressed by how little plastic there was I find they really do sort of open your eyes to new meal ideas and new ways of definitely so I had the tagine as well which was delicious Mm -hmm. um and I, I wasn't actually 
um, too keen on the sound of it. I don't know why. I just sometimes find tagines a bit too fragrant, you know. When yeah, like... I think I'm the same. I'm not. It's not my go-to meal. No, but it was really yummy. And uh, I also had miso stuffed mushrooms with an Asian Ooh. raw slaw and a um, guacamole and something else. Can't remember what the other thing was now, but are oh, really delicious. And I'm definitely going to make that again. So yeah, mm. I'd um, yeah, I'd recommend them. Um, the other thing we tried were banana crisps, oh. mind blown. Honestly, I was there and I was like, hmm, I don't think these are going to deliver. How wrong I was. Amazing. Maybe my new favourite snack. I know. So I was thinking, oh, dried banana. Don't really want to eat it. I'm not a massive banana fan. I'm pretty much one of the few people in the house that actually forces herself to eat bananas when they come in the the uh, weekly veg box my mm. my daughter is actually <laughs> she actually hates bananas so much that she'll run away if you're holding one she just they freak her out she can't stop stand, I know she can't stand the smell so I was like mm, not sure about these however um oh my god they don't taste like bananas at all you would never Nothing. know they're made from bananas it's kind of like a plantain it almost reminded me of rather than a banana I think in my head when I seen banana chips I thought not banana chips sorry banana crisps I instantly thought of banana chips you know the dried yeah sort of like slightly dull flavor um I love bananas I'm such a big fan of them um but I was a bit curious to what they were going to be like. And, oh, my God, they're amazing. I would like to say, though, very pissed off. My boyfriend took the sweet chilli flavour, <gasps> which I wanted. Oh, How I was so annoyed. He? How so dare he get those. in the way of your important work, Molly? He just doesn't care. It just, <laughs> I've had enough. This is <laughs> <it's> over. <laughs> so I need to try the... I think like sweet chili or Thai. I, I'm not too sure what the flavor was exactly. I know it was a chili flavor. Thai sweet and that's chili, my I think it was. Thai yeah, and they they had uh, salt and vinegar, plain, and herbs. I think herb. The herbs are yeah. so nice, really lovely, and just not oily like some crisps no. are. So uh, yeah, definitely my new um, favorite snack. They're one forty nine at Amazon. Yeah, Katie's Food Co. Banana Crisps. Go and check them out. Um, right, just about got time for a quick a quick listener question from Amedio, who has moved from Brighton to Uganda to work as a nurse for a charity. Amazing. Well done. Amazing. Um, what an incredible thing to do. So um, Amedio is there. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. You're staying there for six months and you were wondering if we could give you some tips on where to eat there without deprivals. Well, sadly, I've never been to Uganda. Um, However, I did do a little bit of research. Um, They have a 100% vegan football team over there, which is incredible. Oh my gosh, amazing. Yeah, there's also a vegan society, Uganda. I don't think they're affiliated with the UK um, vegan society however they should be able to give you loads of advice if you find them on facebook and message them um you can also if you're eating out use the happy cow app or website that's brilliant yes. um and the second part of your quest- question Emilio, was about protein um now i don't know um you, you mentioned that you take vegan protein powder every day and you try and eat lots of veg and peanuts um and chia seeds and pulses but you don't get the right amount of protein that you need i'm not sure how you're judging ha- how much protein you need um speaking to a nutritionist earlier today she did mention that protein deficiency is very very rare so it's mm. it's probably unlikely that you're not getting enough. However, if you don't feel like you're getting enough, I'd go for like a bean stew, like um, had a bit of a Google African bean stews are really popular in Uganda with like chapatis, like that's kind of street yeah. food, yum, yum. Um, mm. Black beans are really high in protein, tofu and tempeh, chickpeas lentils and mushrooms so um yeah just try and pack those into as much as possible every day and hopefully you'll feel like you're getting your protein quota 
Um, well, that brings us to the end of our news, reviews and reader questions section. We had better just quickly pick out our vegetable of the week, though, yes. so that we can Let's get cooking go. and doing our show reels for Instagram. So spin, spin the wheel, Molly. Spin the wheel. I wish I had an actual wheel. That would be sick. Is it just a button? <laughs> it's just a button. There is a wheel happening right now. Though. Oh, I okay. <laughs> oh, I hope it's not crap. Oh, actually, yeah, pretty sick to be fair. Potatoes. Potatoes. Okay, well, you can't, yeah. I mean, what can you not create with a potato? I love potatoes. This is, this is yeah, let's go. Okay, that's right. Yeah, I'm getting lots of ideas coming to mind already. Mm. Um, well, keep listening, everybody. Next up, I'll be speaking to Lara Pappas from ProVeg. She's got all the lowdown on COP26 and eating to beat climate change. Telling us what ProVeg is all about. Yes, uh, ProVeg International is a food awareness organization, and our mission is to uh, have the consumption of animal products in the year 2040. So it's called 50 by 40. Um, and we're doing this, we're trying to achieve this mission through multiple um, through multiple activities in uh, many countries. Um, it's all moving rather fast. So currently we started actually in Germany in 2017 and now we're in 2021 and we're active in nine countries. Uh, and we're hoping to add more countries next year because the planet really needs it. Yeah, it certainly does. We'll get onto that in a minute. But um, you're not actually a vegan charity. It's, it's just about cutting down on meat. Is that right? Yes. Our aim is uh, meat and dairy, egg and fish reduction. Um, the content that we promote and the content we create is all plant-based. So it's all vegan. Uh, we do not, for example, promote vegetarian content. So in a way we are a vegan organization, but our messaging is tailored to audiences that are not ready to hear the vegan message. Um, and we also need to be realistic in ways of that, you know, we all want a vegan world, but it's very unlikely that it will happen in the next decade. Although fingers crossed, you never know. <laughs> um, so therefore we're working with a coalition of partners of NGOs and also politicians and food industry professionals to reach the mission of 50 by 40. Yeah, I think it's, it's the way to go, isn't it? You know, rather than trying to sort of go, go hard with the vegan message. I think, you know, so many people you know might have never considered going vegan but they are you know definitely cutting down their meat intake um how are our eating habits affecting climate change our eating habits are affecting climate change on a very big scale there is um currently there's a new documentary release it's called eating away to extinction if you have the chance to see it go see it because it's wonderful it's it's um, it's very clear. It shows how our eating habits um, impact the global crisis worldwide. Um, you can also find a lot of information on dietchange.climatechange.com. That's a campaign that we've uh, launched. It was actually already we launched it in 2017 because we thought, well, there is a you know we need a clear call to action. People should reduce their meat and dairy consumption. Dietitian of climate change. And uh, it, it created a bit of buzz. And then we thought um, we'd focus on other activities. And then last year, we reassessed again, like, how are the climate talks actually going on an international level? Are they even, you know, in relation to the Paris Agreement, are they even discussing mm. um, meat and dairy? And they're not. Oh, so, my God. That's just... Yes, it's very, very worrying. So we relaunched Diet Change No Climate Change this year, this time backed by NGOs, corporations, many people, uh, individuals are helping out. We're attending climate protests because we really need to get the message out that uh, the, actually it, it, the consumption of animal uh, products is a huge contributor to the global climate crisis. Um, this, the statistics on it differ. Um, the minimum number that is being mentioned by the FAO, which is the leading authority 
recognized by the international community is that um, animal-based products contribute to 14.5% of of global CO2. Um, But these numbers don't take everything into account. So there's a range between 14.5% to even 50% uh, of global CO2 contributed by animal-based product, the consumption and the production of it, of course. So it's it's massive. If you really recognize these numbers, if you really think about it, it's just a massive amount and we really, really need to reduce our intake. Um, and it's so easy because it's not as if there's no solution, right? We have plant-based alternatives. Um, they're very tasty. They're um, You can get them by now everywhere. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a mental change that we have to... Um, established together and we're challenging people with dietitian or climate change to take the pledge um, and we'll help you to get there. Um, what are the, some of the specifics then? So it's there's a lot of factors isn't there with you know meat and dairy so um, mm. land use, pollution, water, water um, you know do you have Methane. any? Right. The- the biggest issue with meat uh, in specific is methane. It's um, you know, There are a couple of gases that contribute to climate change. Actually, we should talk about the climate crisis by now because we're really in a climate crisis. Yeah. And methane is one of the most problematic gases. Um, and a large producer of methane is the meat industry, specifically the beef industry. Um so we really need to cut down on our beef intake. Like there is no other solution. We currently see counter tactics being used. Um, for example, they're saying, well, we could produce sustainable beef. But with our intake, with our global intake of animal-based products, there is no such thing as sustainable beef. It's a, it's a greenwashing tactic. And we have to be aware of that. The only real thing, the only real solution is to cut our intake. Right. And for anyone listening who, you know, has cut right down or is vegan, um, what else can we do to minimize our impact in terms of our eating habits? You know, should we be eating avocados or, you know, exotic (laughs) fruits? Well, there's so much that you could eat. There is, of course... Um, a lot of people are afraid of, oh, if I switch to more to eat to more plant-based eating, you know, will soy production go up? Or, you know, a lot of people heard about the water production in relation to avocados. Of course, there is also a climate footprint, a carbon footprint related to a plant-based diet. However, all studies, like every single study, and one of the leading authorities on this is, for example, the Oxford University, show that if you switch to a plant-based diet, you can reduce your carbon footprint to up to 50%. And that's just massive. So you'll always, you know, if you have the the choice, the plant-based option is always the safe bet in relation to the climate and also in relation to animal welfare, of course, because let's not forget that we're also um, contributing less to animal suffering when we eat a plant-based diet. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with things like factory farming, they're just hideous, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Horrendous. So COP26. um, Yes. That's coming up soon, isn't it? What exactly is it and what work are you doing around it? COP26 is a very, very important international climate event. Um, I think people are not even aware of how important this event is. Last year, COP didn't happen. It's an it, it's the leading climate event organized by the United Nations on the Paris Agreement. So what happens is that world leaders and policymakers come together um, and discuss how they can make sure that we globally stay below the 1.5 degree temperature change. We're now looking actually at going over that. So the 1.5 degree is probably not realistic anymore. We're looking now more at a two degree uh, difference. Um, And um, internationally, a lot of countries have signed that agreement. They have committed to that agreement. The issue now is that it needs to be clear what countries should be doing because it's easy to say, yes, we'll do something and then not act upon it. Um, so a lot of the talks in the past have been about fossil fuels, reducing fossil fuels. And of course, that's really, really important and that should be in the Paris Agreement. However, 
animal agriculture should be in the agreement too, because it's one of the leading contributions to climate change. Um, and unfortunately, in the past decade, it just hasn't been discussed. Like it's it's insane. It's what? the big elephant or the cow in the room that yeah. hasn't been discussed. Um, so this year, um, everyone comes together again after a year of not really being able to talk globally about this. And we are doing everything we can to make sure that we're going to talk about it. So, for example, Provetch has a permanent observer status to UN climate events, which means we can attend uh, COP26, we can set up side events, we can invite people. Um, we're, of course, we're campaigning around COP26 to gain as much awareness as we can because public pressure is crucial if people are not demanding that animal agriculture needs to be discussed, it's very unlikely that it will. Mm. Um, and we've seen in the lead up to COP26, actually COP26 is taking place starting on the 1st of November. So that is um, in a couple of weeks. Um, there has been a climate event before this. It was in Rome in June and it's called the uh, Food System Summit. And it was supposed to be like a blueprint for COP. Uh, we are very hopeful and we hope that animal agriculture would be seriously discussed um, to a certain extent it was, but it was also very disappointing. Um, animal agriculture industries received a big stage to talk about their take on the, on the, on the problems, which is very far from what scientists are saying. Uh, so we were, NGOs were very disappointed about what came out of the Food System Summit. And we hope that COP26 will actually lead to real conversations about animal agriculture. Oh my God, I just want to tear my hair out. I really do. I mean, why why aren't they talking about it? Are they, you know, are the politicians scared of these big meat and dairy industry giants? Yes, I think so. I think we should recognize the impact that animal industries have on um, on, on politics. Um, there's a massive, massive lobby, and a lot of these lobbies have a monopoly position. They have a lot of money. Um, it's, I mean, a lot of people say you shouldn't compare it to the tobacco industries, but I think we have a case to compare it to the tobacco industries where mm. tobacco for a very long time undermined public health efforts and we're seeing a similar uh, tactics being used and similar things happen on a global scale when it comes to animal agriculture industries it doesn't mean that no um, meat or dairy producers interested in plant-based that's not the case there are meat and dairy producers that are interested in plant-based and are actually investing in it um, so they're very progressive however there's still the minority so the majority of the animal agriculture industries are advocating to keep the keep the status quo, to keep it as it is. Um, and they're using a lot of tactics to make sure that that happens. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a difficult battle to win. I am hopeful that we will succeed because people are aware, the public awareness is increasing. Uh, a lot of people are not um, are seeing through, I think, what is happening. Um, politicians are also starting to move a little. So, for example, in Europe, you see that the European Commission has launched a farm-to-fork strategy. And the farm-to-fork strategy is set up to uh, ensure that our food system in Europe becomes more sustainable. And they specifically mention um, that we need to work towards um, eating more plant-based. So that's very, very promising. And yes. it also, yeah. It shows that the political will is there. Yeah. Um, however, we're ha we haven't seen the end of this yet because the animal agriculture industries are trying to block it, obviously. God, for anyone listening who feels as frustrated as me right now, mm. <laughs> what can we do? What, you know, are there petitions we can be signing? Yes. What what can we do to help? <laughs> you can go to dietation.climatechange.com and you can sign up for the pledge. If you sign up for the pledge, you will receive actionables. So you will be able to sign petitions or you can write to policymakers. Um, we also encourage everyone, if you go to protests, I'm actually going to the London protest today. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yes, use uh, dietation or climate change as a leading call to action on your placards because we really need to make this call to action as visible as possible everywhere so that everyone starts talking about it. Okay, right. I'm going to head over there right after this interview. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sign up. <laughs> right. Oh dear. So, what outcomes are you hoping to see as a result of COP26? What do you think is realistic? A realistic expectation is, I think that animal agriculture will be mentioned as such, as a uh, a big contributor to the climate crisis. And it would also be really, really great if finally leading politicians would say that plant-based diets are the solution. Mm. So they are more or less talking about animal agriculture, but it's always in a very diplomatic way without mentioning the real problems and without mentioning the real solution. And it would be great if that finally would be recognized because then it can become part of the NDC. So NDCs is the structure of the Paris Agreement. All countries need to submit their NDCs, their legislation on how they're going to achieve the Paris Agreement in 2023. We call it internally the global diet deadline because a lot of people think we have until 2030, but we actually don't. In 2023, there is a global stock take. All countries need to submit their NDCs. In 2024, um, there will be an overview of what countries have been um, submitting. And then in 2025, it will become official. This is what countries have to do. So we hope that if finally at COP26, animal agriculture is recognized as a major contributor to the climate crisis and plant-based diet is a solution, that it will end up in the NDCs mm-hmm. that countries will have to prepare next year and submit in 2023. Um, that will be a major victory. Right. Okay. What about people that kind of say, you know, we should be supporting British farmers as a nation. We've always been quite proud of our farmers. Uh, they're struggling as it is, you know, yeah. uh, plant-based diets are going to put them out of business. What What would you say to to people who kind of feel well I I, first of all I would recognize that farmers are struggling it is very difficult for farmers and it's not fair because global uh, governments have pushed farmers into this position we've subsidized animal agriculture for so long Um, small-scale farming has basically disappeared. We talk about farmers, but actually they're factories, they're farming factories. Um, And governments are doing very little to help farmers transition. Like there is barely any help. There's no knowledge distribution. There's no financial um, help. So I understand that farmers are stuck in a way. They are at the, you know, they are... um, they're left by themselves and they're angry and it's totally understandable. What really needs to happen is a systematic change that's led by governments. Um, and it's not difficult. We, we've set up the system as it is with a lot of money. So we can also change the system. We yeah. can help farmers get there. It's just got to come from the top, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about being hopeful and <laughs> I try to stay hopeful. It's, it's hard. Yes. Isn't it? Maybe I'm not really helping. Um, I am very hopeful, though. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this work. I think we're in a, a moment of change. So you can see that veganism has picked up so fast all around the globe. Um, and it's accelerating every year. So we need to be patient, I think, and keep pushing for the change. And I do think that it will happen um, and it will come with a lot of conflicts. I mean, we're having the conflicts now. We're seeing mm. it happen and it's not easy, but I do think we will succeed. Yeah. What about the next generation? Do you kind of feel like they're, you know, going to maybe help us out of this climate crisis? <laughs> You've got the uh, school plates campaign, haven't you? Yes, the School Place campaign is a campaign in the UK and actually we also run it in Germany uh, that helps schools uh, swap meals, so to make them more plant-based. 
And it's been a massive success. Uh, it's been really encouraging to see how many local authorities and uh, municipalities are willing to help drive the change. Because one of the things that's very important when we are talking about behavioral change is that, you know, we can ask people to change their diets, but it, it's very difficult for individuals to do that if their environment doesn't support them. Yeah. So that's why we set up the school place program because we thought, well, actually school environments are so important. They should offer healthy, nutritious and sustainable plant-based options. And it has proven to be a success. So we're doing this in many, many places in the UK and in Germany, and it even won the UN Momentum for Change Awards which was really nice. And we hope to expand this project um, because it's so, so needed. And um, one thing, actually, when you said, you know, the hope for future generations, I do feel that we shouldn't wait for younger generations to, you know, come up with the solutions. We are the adults, right? We should be fixing it. Yeah. So true. Yeah, I'm sure Greta would agree with you as well. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I mean, that's just, you know, really opened my eyes. And just when you kind of feel like you know everything there is to know, um, you speak to someone like yourself and it kind of, you know, blows your mind all over again. (laughs) Um, I mean, what led you to go vegan? Um, Well, actually, I was raised as a vegetarian. So I was very lucky to have vegetarian to vegetarian parents and they became vegetarians because they went to a slaughterhouse and saw what happened to animals and thought, oh my God, we never ever want to eat meat again. So as a small kid, it was very obvious to me, you you don't eat animals. And then when I was a student later on in life, I realized there's so many more reasons to eat plant-based. And I also realized what was happening in the dairy industry dairy industry is very similar to what's happening in the meat industry so I also ditched dairy Um, and then I learned more about the environment and the impact of uh, animal agriculture and the environment and I was you know it's it was a no-brainer especially with so many plant-based options around it's so easy to eat plant-based nowadays and to do something for the animals and the planet I mean it's it's the single biggest thing you could do on a daily basis to help everyone Exactly. Yeah. So when you are feeling frustrated, you know, it kind of, you can, uh, there's something that you can actually physically do yourself to help, which is great. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting to you and we'll all head over to diet change, not climate change dot, is it dot org or dot com? Dot com. Dot com. We'll head over there now, sign up to the pledge and, uh, yeah, get, get changing <laughs> these policies. Yes, let's change the food system together. Well, that's it for this week from us. If you're feeling inspired by what Lara had to say, please do share the podcast on social media or with friends. And don't forget to subscribe on your platform of choice, such as Apple Podcasts. You can also send your listener questions to myself and Molly on simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk. Next week, we'll be carrying on with our whole food plant-based challenge with more advice from nutritionists. And I'll also be taking on the meat eaters as I chat to an ex-Marine who is anti-vegan. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 